you are listening to the Revive Church Podcast. We pray that this sermon blesses you and enhances your walk with God. Feel free to come worship with us on a Sunday morning, or you can learn more about us online at revivechurch.org. We, if we remember right, we, um, back in the beginning of chapter 5, we saw it started with Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath. As he heals the man, the Pharisees, they, they get upset, and Jesus responds to them, making a comment about being, saying he's equal to God, that he is God. And now this just infuriates them. And so, from there, even though he didn't have to, he begins to say, basically, hey, here are these things that back up what I'm saying, that I, I am, I am God. Here are the witnesses. And so, again, for the last, it's been about four weeks now, uh, we're looking, we've been looking at these witnesses that Jesus is talking about. And in verse 33 through 35, he starts by talking about John the Baptist, talking about man being a witness to him. Um, John the Baptist was the forerunner that, just, that prepared people's hearts, prepared them, and pointed them to, to the coming Messiah. He had disciples that he baptized, pointed them to Jesus, who would be the one to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 36... Jesus explained that his miracles are also a witness, that because he has the authority, because he is God, he is able to change water into wine, to, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. And these all point to him being God. And then in verse 37 through 38, which we went over last week, we see that the Father, the Father himself is a witness to, to the Son. And we, we've, we remember, we, we see that, we, we see when Jesus was baptized, what are the, we heard a voice from, there was a voice from heaven that said, said what, that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so we've gone over those witnesses, and today, in verses 39 through 47, we're going to be looking at the witness of the scriptures. And so let's go ahead and read that now. Starting at verse 39 of chapter 5, it says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know that you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory from that, that is from the one and only God. Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Let's go, let's go ahead and pray and ask God to prepare our hearts now. Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for your word here, Lord. These scriptures that testify about your son, that testify about Jesus. Lord, I, I just pray that as we go through them now, as we go through your word, that you would just break down our hearts, Lord, soften our hearts so that we can Listen to what you have to say. Lord, I, I just pray that you would speak through me, that everything I would say would be accurate, that it would be pleasing to you. 
And Lord, that you would just break us all down here this morning and that you would just draw us closer to you. That we'd have just a greater love for you from everything that you reveal to us in your word. Lord, we just thank you so much. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, today we are looking at the scriptures, the witness of the scriptures. And how everything points to Jesus being equal to God, to being the Messiah, to being God. Now, when we say scriptures, contextually, what do we mean here? Because Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, right? And so when he's talking about scriptures, he's pointing to what we call the Old Testament. So, so, we, so if we look at it that way, we, we are seeing that he's saying, hey, I'm, everything that the scriptures are saying, everything that the, the Old Testament is saying is pointing to to me, to the Messiah. That's what Jesus is saying. And I don't know about you guys, but in conversations I've had with people about the Bible, on more than one occasion I've heard someone say something like this to me. They'll tell me, well, I like what Jesus has to say, but I don't agree with the Old Testament. Now that, that, doesn't, that just doesn't work, does it? That doesn't make sense. Now Why? Well, let's, let's hear what Jesus has to say, since we love to hear what Jesus has to say. Verse 39, what, what, is, what is he saying? He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And then right here, it is these that testify about me. So if a person agrees with what Jesus has to say, then they would agree with what the Old Testament has to say, what the scriptures have to say, wouldn't they? So then, if a person has these, these contradictory thoughts, these, 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 making these comments about the Bible, how, how does this happen? How, does, how, do we, how do you get there? Well, I think there's, there's two reasons for that. One, I think, applies to, to us, and then I think the other one applies to us and the Pharisees. I guess it would apply to all just sinful man. Um, but I think the first reason is people just simply don't read their Bibles. They aren't reading their Bibles, yet they're confidently saying something about the Bible. They're confidently saying something about it that they don't agree with the Bible, yet they don't read it. I mean, people might say something, like, I mean, people, people look at it and say, well, I don't agree with the Bible as a whole. Or they might say, oh, well, they believe with the, in the New Testament, but not the Old Testament. Or they believe in the Old Testament, but not the New Testament. Or that they just like the Gospels. They just, want to, they just want to learn the historical like, things about Jesus and listen to what Jesus had to say. But not the, not the entire thing. And so they're coming to the conclusions without reading it. Or more importantly, studying it. And I think most of the time people, people come to these conclusions because they're just hearing what one person has to say and just repeating it over and over and over. Because that's what they're basing everything they know on instead of just being right here in, inside of this. God's word. Because if people were actually reading their Bibles and they're in here, then they would know, because in their Bibles it says this, that all scripture, in Second Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that man of, the man of God can be adequate, equipped for every good work. 
It didn't just say the New Testament. <clears throat> it says all Scripture is inspired by God. We can't pick and choose. This is all the Word of God. It's all inspired by Him. It all works together. I mean, there's hundreds of prophe- uh, prophecies that in the Old Testament that were, were fulfilled by Christ and we, that we see in the Gospels, which is in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, all throughout, there are quotes from the Old Testament. There's over 850 of them. And so they're constantly pointing back and forth to each other and together pointing towards Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. Because like Jesus said, he said, it is these that testify about me. So that's the first reason why somebody might get a little, have these contradictory thoughts about the Bible, or not, not agree with what it has to say, or it just doesn't make sense with what they're saying. They're making comments about the Bible. And now, what about the people that are reading their Bibles and still have these kinds of thoughts? Or thoughts about the Bible or thoughts about Christ? How does that happen? Because the Pharisees, they knew, they knew the Scriptures, they read the Scriptures, had them memorized. But what was the issue then? Because that wasn't the issue that they weren't reading their Bibles or the reading Scripture. They weren't, they weren't looking at it. Yet they still had a problem. Let's, let's take a, a step back and looking at verse 38, and now we'll go to 40. Verse 38, which we went over last week, it says, he says, You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him, so Jesus is talking about himself, whom he sent. You do not believe who the Father sent. You're talking to him right now. So he says, You do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. And so, what was the reason for the Pharisees or people that read their Bibles? Why would they have these, why would things not line up? Why would they not be agreeing with what Jesus says or what, 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 what the scriptures have to say? Well, it comes down to their hearts. And that's the second, and that's the most important reason here. Because Scripture is never going to click. It's never going to come together where we can see it all pointing to the Messiah, pointing to Jesus, if it's not on our hearts abiding in us. And why would it not be abiding on someone's heart? Well, just like it says in verse 38 and 40, he says, because someone doesn't believe and Jesus, they're unwilling to come to him. There has to be this pairing that happens. Knowing Jesus allows you to know Scripture, and knowing Scripture allows you to know Jesus. It allows you to know more of him and to, 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 to learn all about him. But this is important. It all starts with Jesus. Now, when I say, when I say that it all starts with Jesus... I want to make this clear because you might say, well, 
The only reason why someone might believe is because they read something in the scriptures first. But when I, when I say no Jesus, I mean you must believe in him, love him, form this relationship with him, give up your life to him. You know who he is. You're aware of who he is and, and your need for him, so you follow him. Because if you don't do this first, you're going to be exactly like the Pharisees. They knew Scripture, but they didn't know Jesus. So if they didn't know Jesus, they didn't really know the Scriptures then, did they? They didn't truly understand it. They knew the words, the what words were there, but they didn't. They they didn't know what they meant really, because they they totally missed what the words meant as far as pointing to Jesus. Because in their hearts, they were all about themselves and not about God. And Jesus calls them out for this. Again, he says, you do not have the word abiding, uh, abiding in you. You do not believe in him. You are unwilling to come to me. And then skipping in on verse 42, he says, you do not have the love of God in yourselves, which is a powerful statement. So we just looked at why people might have an issue with Scripture, whether it's understanding it or believing it or just agreeing with it or even wanting to read it. So now why do we, why do we read the Bible? And asking that question, let's first look at some, some reasons why, some bad reasons why people do read the Scriptures. And when I say bad, I mean selfish and prideful reasons. But let's start with the, let's start with the Pharisees. Why did they read the Scriptures? Well, looking at the first half of uh, verse 39 now, Jesus was telling them why. He said, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. So they knew God's, his, his holy word. They knew his word was holy. And they, they knew it was something to live by. But they were missing something. They got distracted. They got caught up. They got so wrapped up in the process of living up to the, to the written and spoken law that they became more focused on their performance to where they worshipped how, how well they were doing and made that an idol. And if you want to keep fo- focusing on yourself and focusing on these things, like, uh, that your performance and all these things, you begin to forget the fact that you are following God's law. And it's all because you're doing these things out of, out of obedience because you love him. And so we saw this with the Pharisees. Jesus, Jesus was telling them the whole reason that they looked through, through and, and tried to know the scriptures is so they could have eternal life. That was their purpose for reading, just to figure out how to work at having eternal life. They're trying to be worked towards being accepted into heaven. They're trying to be good enough by knowing and living well with what the scripture says. But they didn't really believe what it had to say, did they? And that's the important part, believing it. Because if they really believed in the scriptures that they were studying, that they were memorizing, they would have believed that none is righteous and there's no one that does good. It mentions in the Psalms. They would know that they they can't do works to become righteous like God. 
And they would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And to come to him, if they come to him, they would have life. And so that's, that's what the Pharisee, where the Pharisees were at. Now, where are we at? What about us? What are some of the reasons why, when I say the not, reasons, the not so good reasons why we, we read the Bible, why, why we might read the Bible? Why well, I have three profiles or descriptions of types of readers here that, that I want to look at. The first I'm calling is the self-help reader. This person looks through the Bible for uplifting verses, like the ones you might find on the wall at Pyology when you're waiting in line, or on, the, on a coffee cup. And they, they take those verses and, and they just they, they use them as to find anything that can just help them feel good and stay positive in their life. So they'll sift through and, and take those scriptures and to, to use them. And the second one I'm calling the ritual reader. And this person reads the Bible as a magical exercise. They feel that if they do it, if they do it enough, they're going to earn favor with God. And it, does, it doesn't matter if you, if you remember what you read or if you I mean, learn anything from it. It's just the act of reading alone is good enough, just so that it's good enough in your mind so that you can be good enough for God. And the third one I'm calling the empowered reader. And this person reads the Bible with the sole purpose of gaining knowledge to puff themselves up. They measure their self-worth by how much they know about, about the Bible and, they can, and how much they can learn and then they compare themselves to other people and the other people's amount of knowledge so they can feel good enough. And so when we look at all these, what, what are we seeing? What's, what's the common thing? It's all about me. Reading the Bible is all about me. The, the self-help reader is just looking for anything that makes himself feel good. It's not about God. It's, it's about whether I need whatever I can find here. Just give me something for this day. Right, I got my cup of coffee, and I also just need something real quick to make me feel good so I stay positive for the day. I'll just do that every day so I can keep functioning. And just so, so it's about me. God wants me to be happy. And then the ritual reader is saying, well, I just, I don't know, I, I, I just need to work, I need to, I need to be good enough so that at least I, if I read my Bible uh, enough, God, God will accept me and, and uh, he'll, be, he'll be pleased with me. It's all about me, me, me. And the empowered reader and their insecurity is focused on, I just need to know more so I can feel good, again, feel good about myself so that I can feel better compared to other people, just again, so that I feel good enough. So they all come down to, they center on the same thing of selfishness and pride. But even as Christians, we might struggle with one or more of these, don't we? And we have to, so that's why we really have to evaluate and, and, and look at our motives each time we're reading the Word. Because even for me, when we've been doing this one-year reading plan, I have to really check at being the ritual reader here. Am I really reading this each and every day just because I know it's a great exercise for me to focus on the Lord, to be in communion with Him? Or am I just trying to check off the box in this app so that uh, I feel great at the end of the year because I actually read the Bible in a year? 
So we might, these things might sneak in if they're not so, so they might not be so obvious, but we have to always be evaluating our motive for reading the Word. So what, what are the reasons why we should be reading the Bible? Well, it should, because again, the, the wrong reason, they all had to do with focusing on ourselves. So the right reason should be focusing on God, right? So it should be for out of our love for God, for out of our love for Him and what His Son did for us on the cross. We read His Word to seek out and understand everything we can about Him. Because it's all about Him. We read and listen as He describes His character. He explains His plans. He explains what He wants from us and for us. And all along the way as we're reading everything, we're keeping an eye out on for Jesus. Because as Jesus said, it, it all points to Him. It testifies to Him. So if we aren't reading God's Word because we love Him, or because we want to live our lives in obedience to Him, or have a desire to commune with Him, it's not all about Him. And we have to take whatever it is aside and then put it aside and put Him in front and make it about Him. Allow Him to speak to us through His Word. And then when we speak back to Him in prayer as, as, as he, he lends us His ear. Um, and we have that deep communion with, communion with Him as He desires to have from us. Which is an amazing thing that this God that so powerful, so holy, desires that from us. And so, again, it's not about man, it's about God. And that's why Jesus said what he said in verse 41. He says, I do not receive glory from men. So he's saying, I'm not here to please man, I'm here to point man to the Father. Again, it's all about him. And Jesus makes a point of saying this because just like when he talked to many other people, he already knew their hearts because he is God. He knew the, the Pharisees' hearts that he was talking to because he is God. And so looking at verses 41 through 44 now, he says, I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another man comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Because the Pharisees are so self-focused that even though they've been waiting and wanting you know, this, the, the Messiah to come, this entire time they completely missed the fact that he was right there in front of them. And so if they're not going to accept Jesus as Messiah, they're still wanting someone else to come. They're still waiting for someone else. And since the real Messiah is, is already there, whoever's going to come along after is, is going to be some, some phony that they've been waiting for. Some, they're, they're going to be looking and placing their trust in a man. And so they're looking for man's approval instead of God's. And I think that's something we always need to be on the watch 
on watch for for ourselves too. Because on Wednesday we had this, it was a really special time with Krishna came. Uh, he was, uh, he's been here a few times from, from he's from uh, Nepal. He, he has ministries in Nepal. And he talked about his ministry there and the opportunities we, we have as a church looking forward next year to do a mission there. And again, it was powerful. It was raw, it was real, which real is kind of hard to see nowadays with what we live around. But it made, it made me think about how many distractions we have. How many distractions we have when, like I said, we take, we're looking for the approval of man, we're not looking at God. The same thing when he was talking about Nepal, I'm looking at what, everything that we're surrounded by and how we distracted we are from God. I mean, we, we focus on so many things that don't even matter. Things that we, we can be so focused on, we miss out on the Messiah. And Krishna's testimony was just a, it was a great reminder of our purpose. I mean, we, rece- we exist not to receive glory from men, but to be witnesses of Christ. Pointing people towards God and giving Him all the glory. And so Jesus explains all this to, to the, the Pharisees that they've missed the point of the Scriptures, that they've been reading their whole lives, they've been memorizing, and that they are missing out on the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And then in verse 45 through 47, he brings Moses into this. And what, what is he saying here? Why is he bringing Moses into this? Verse 45 through 47, he says, Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings... How will you believe my words? So Moses, God used to bring his people out of, out of Egypt. And he was also the writer of the Torah, right? The first five books of the Bible that, that, have, that contain the law and everything, all the instructions that, that the Pharisees would live by. And so when, when Jesus is telling him that this is whom you set your hope. He's saying this is the writer, because again, we're talking about the scriptures being the witness, being, testifying to Christ. So he's saying he here is the writer, the writer of the first five books, the Torah, the law that you to live by, the, that you put your hope into all those writings, into what he says, when you focus so much on him, you're not making it about me. And if you weren't so focused on on what he, who he is and, and what his writings are, and if you were more focused on, on, on God, you would have realized that what, what Moses was actually saying was he was pointing towards the Messiah because in Deuteronomy 18, first looking at 15, verse 15 and then looking at verse 19, this is something that Moses said that they should know. And if they believe what Moses said, then they would believe the Messiah. Moses said, it says in um, Deuteronomy 18, 15, it says, Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. You must listen to him, which they're not doing. And then verse 19, 
of Deuteronomy 18. It says, I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. And looking at those verses in Deuteronomy, Peter, uh, after Jesus' death, that we look in Acts, he confirms that as he quotes, as he's speaking to a group of Jews talking about how they, in their ignorance, killed Jesus. And he's quoting from Scripture to them and saying, look at this, this is what he was talking about. This, this Moses that you put all of your hope in, this is, this is what he was talking about. He was talking about the Messiah that you, that you killed. But now they put their hope in a man and, 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 and what Moses did and how Moses was used in his writings. When he was just a glimmer, he was a little, a little idea of what Jesus the Messiah the Son of God, would be. Because it was not just... So for Moses, they, they, were, they were, again, they were so focused on, on his writings and they were so focused on, what, what, uh, on who he was, they didn't think about the power of, of what Christ was going to do, what his death and resurrection would do. Again, and so, in Matthew 5, Jesus explains what he would do with the law. He says, Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. And so, when the law was written, it was all to show man that he just falls short, that he's not good enough. But not just to stop there, it would point towards the Messiah, their need for a Messiah. And so that's why Jesus was saying that he did not come to abolish the law or the prophets. He did not come to, to abolish what, what the law had to say. He came to, to uh, fulfill it by living it out perfectly and then dying in our place. And so we see this attitude of, of, of the Pharisees, and they just didn't get it. They didn't understand what, what Scripture was actually pointing towards. And, this, and another example of that is when we see story t- uh, the, uh, Jesus talk about the story with the rich man and Lazarus. In Luke 16, starting at verse 27, he says, and he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. So we see that this Lazarus is, is at, the, at the side of the bosom of, of Abraham, and we see that this rich man is in hell, and, we, and he gives us this picture of he's trying to reach, he wants to reach out, and, and, and he's, as he's in hell, he just wishes that now his, he could have told his family about this. He could have warned them. And so this is, this is where we're at. He says, I, and then he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers in order that he may warn them, so they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. So they, just like the Pharisees, they have what, the, what Moses had to say in his writings and, and what the prophets had to say that pointed towards the Messiah. 
But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. So he's basically telling them, no, no, that's not good enough. The the writings aren't good enough. I don't, just send send him from the dead, because then they'll they'll do it. But how does he reply? He says, but he said to them, if if they're not going to listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. And that shows the power of the scriptures right there, and the importance of our heart when reading them. Because we always want something different. Well, prove this to me. Show this to me. Well, he's saying here that even if you send somebody from the dead, it's not going to change it. They're not going to, they're not going to, if they're not listening to the scriptures, then their hearts aren't there and they're not, they're not really wanting God. They're not wanting to follow the Messiah. And then we also see that where, the example where we, even with Jesus' disciples, they followed him, they were trying to understand, but they didn't fully understand until Jesus revealed it to them after he, he died and rose again and he, he, he walked with them. And so in Luke 24, we see that he says, Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. This is Luke 24, 44. So these are the wor- my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things that are, which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So these are all the things that are written about me. And, he, but then, and it says, He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And He said to them, Thus it is written that Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in His name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. And he says, you are, my, you are witnesses of these things. So we have the Pharisees, that they're just completely blind and prideful understanding where they don't even, they don't even see because they don't believe. We see the example with Lazarus and the rich man, where the rich man is just saying, well, no, the, 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 I, the scriptures, I, give me something else. I need something else to, to get, so my family will believe. And then Jesus revealed it to his disciples in, in the right time. He revealed things completely so that all things came together. And then we have an amazing testimony of Philip in John chapter 1, verse 45, which we went through before. The fact that he, he put all this together Showed that, that it was incredible. He says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So he knew. He saw right there, it was, it was because his heart was in the right place, and he wanted to follow him. All his disciples might not have understood everything completely, but they still, their hearts were not placed. They placed their faith in Jesus and they wanted to follow him. And so Jesus is telling the, the Pharisees, again in verse 46, he's saying, for if you believed Moses, if you actually believed him, if you believed everything that you've been learning this entire time, you would believe me. You believe everything I'm telling you right now. 
because he wrote all those things about me. But if you're not going to actually believe it, you're not, if you do not believe his writings, well, how will you believe my words? It came down to what was more important to them. Themselves rather than God. And so, for us, I know a lot of times, especially for me, there can be this, this battle of, well, how, if I'm not really wanting to read this word or trying to understand it, or, or does that mean I just don't really believe in Jesus? Well, I mean, it might mean that you're not making him your Lord, um, or other things are being uh, distractions, and you're putting those before him. But it is super important that we're in this, that we're in His Word, so that we can really know this, know our God that we we love, that we say we love, and that so we can live out what it is that we say we believe. And so, as we believe in Jesus, the process, as we, as we believe in Jesus, we might have read all these things before in the scriptures. It might not make any sense. But once we believe who Jesus is, start looking at historically what happened, who he was, what he said, and then we go back. That's why we continue to read the scriptures our entire lives. Because God, again, it's living, it's breathing. God will speak to us through it at all different points in our life, like throughout our whole life. And the more we look at it, the more we understand who Jesus is, the more we see him throughout the rest of these scriptures. All these things are revealed in Christ. And so I would just encourage us, I mean, we have so many resources. It's, it's, it's crazy. But we got so many excuses why we can't read this Bible, why, we, why there's not enough time, even though there's plenty of time. We just waste it. Um, but I would encourage you, if start a study. Study it. Don't just read it. Study it. Find something and just d- dive deep in it. If you don't know how to do that, I mean, what we're, we're learning. Talk to me. Let's do a study together. Or Find somebody that you're comfortable doing that with. But make that happen. And then when you start doing that, push towards making sure that you're doing that alone with God too. Communing with Him. Spending that time with Him and making your day about Him. Because if we're not doing that, then we're not going to be able to live it out. We're just, again, we keep saying this, we're just going to be hearers. We're not going to be doers. We're going to call ourselves Christians, but then not actually live that out. We're not going to go out and share the gospel with people. We're not, if, we're, if we're not in the Word, just creating this passion for the Lord, because, I mean, how, how can we, if we just kind of like get to Him every now and then, how are we going to be passionate about Him? How are we going to form this relationship with Him? When we go out, we're not even going to have the desire, the passion to share God with people, because we don't even have the passion ourselves. So why would they be passionate about it? Why would they like, think to listen to us? So 
Again, that's God calling them. If, if, they choose, if, they, if they're going to come to him. But again, the important part is we need to commune with God. We need to be in his scriptures. We need to realize that it's all about Jesus, the one that we say that we believe in. The Messiah and the Son of God. And as we see all these witnesses now that we've gone through, we see the, the witness in, of the scripture that we read, we have to remember that we are witnesses of him too, right? But in order to be those witnesses, we need to be, we need to be right with God. We need to be prepared. We need to, to be focused on him. And so that, that's my encouragement for us this morning, to read our Bibles, to be focused on him, and to have our hearts in the right place. Do not put anything above him. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the scriptures. And we thank you that, Lord, we, you don't just leave us in the dark with anything, Lord. I mean, there's certain things that only you know as God. But you give us your word. And Lord, when we put our trust in Christ, we make him our Lord, when we give up our lives and follow him, Lord, we believe in him. When we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. And Lord, you allow us to understand what it is that your word has to say. You allow us to see how everything points to Christ. And that, that should be our focus. And Lord, so I just, I pray that you would help us to look at our hearts, Lord, that you would break down our hearts, you would analyze, analyze our hearts, Lord, that you would help us fight off with whatever it is that's keeping us from your word. Lord, I spent many years of fighting you in reading your word. But we need to fight whatever it is that's keeping us from your word. And we need, you to, we, we, we need your help with that, Lord. Lord, we do not want to place any idol above you, Lord. We want to place you first. And placing you first is, is, it requires knowing you, Lord, and, to, and to communing with you. And so, Lord, I, I just thank you for, for even wanting to even having the desire to want to work in us, to save us, to love us. And Lord, I just thank you most of all just for the love that we saw through your son dying for us. The one that all of this points towards. Lord, you're an amazing God. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.